This is Pastor Chadwick King. I hope you enjoy the ministry of God's Holy Word today provided by the Promise Center Media Ministry. Please share this lesson or sermon with your friends and family. And may the Lord bless you. All right, so really quickly before we get into tonight's lesson, and I want to do some teaching in just a moment. And I'll be teaching out of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And I want to talk about the gifts that are in the body, the gifts that are in the body of Christ. And uh, what's really cool is, is when we get saved, it's more than just, uh, oh, we escaped uh, punishment. Uh, it's more than that. It's an adoption. We're adopted into a family. We're adopted into um, a body where, where, where we become, the Bible says, members of a body. Uh, that means that, that uh, you are a part of a whole. And uh, there's a, a great line that, that's been said for a long time that the, that the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. Like, like we're better together. And a lot of people don't see their, maybe their value that God sees in you. And so I want, I want tonight to kind of just kind of amplify that. I want, I want you to, to leave here realizing that through the Holy Spirit that lives inside of you, there are certain gifts that God has poured out. And uh, the gifts differ. And uh, nobody is the same. Everyone has their certain uh, flow and, and certain uh, flavor and texture of, 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 of how, you, how your anointing flows through your life. But we want to at least start the conversation because a lot of people maybe have never had this conversation. And I want to uh, get into the gifts of the Spirit and talk about those for just a little bit. And then we'll see how the lesson goes and we may continue it um, next week. Um, I want to say this when it comes to small groups. Um, our, our heart and philosophy here for small groups is what we call an open market, which means more than us just saying, here's a curriculum, here's what everyone, want, here, here's what everyone has to do, we would rather you like, get your passion and what's in your heart, and maybe you have found freedom in your marriage or your finances, or maybe you're just passionate about uh, being, a, being with other people and, and going on a hike. Whatever that is, we want to we want to put fuel into what what you're passionate about, and so um, I told this story I believe a week or two ago. But uh, a, a, a church that we're in a network with, a part, partner with, uh, they told a story about a, a lady named Helen. Her name was Helen, and she said, "Man, I just want to uh, pastor." She gave it to the pastor and said, "I just want to I want to start a new department. I want to I want to uh, be able to give clothing to the poor, and I want to do this and I want to do that." And the pastor said, that's awesome, do a small group. And she said, no, this is bigger than a small group. This is, this is in my heart, it's burning. He said, that's exactly why you need to do a small group because when you do a small group, we'll, we'll let people know about it and they can join. And then if it, if it grows, then, 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 then we can do two groups and you can turn into five groups, and, but do a small group. And, and, and it kind of went in one ear and out the other. And so the next Sunday, she put flyers on everybody's car saying there's a new department at the church and uh, they need clothes and this and that and this and that. And so the pastor said, Helen, come here, come here, we got to talk. Look, look, do a small group, do a small group. This is a, you're passionate about it. We want to put fuel behind it. We want to uh, advertise it. We'll put it on our website, but do a small group. And she said, okay, I, I get it. Finally she got it. So she started it that semester, did a small group. Five, 10, 15 people came. It was amazing life-changing experience, guess what happened? The next semester, like 50 people joined. So they had to do two or three groups. 
And it ended up, like, after a couple years, turning like 500 people on a weekly basis going into the inner cities, giving clothing to the poor, and doing all this. And it was grassroots, and it wasn't some idea that somebody got in an office and said, hey, you know what, if we're going to be a real church, we've got to do something like this. Or the other churches are doing, like, this stuff. No. How, do, how does God reveal ministry and purpose and mission? He does it by putting it in the hearts of people. And, and someone goes, you know what, my heart is beating it's beating in sync with this. Awesome. If it's in you, that means it could be in somebody else. And so if we can get people together that have the same heart and vision, guess what? Two begets four begets 14 and 50. And then all of a sudden, like you, there's this momentum and, and you don't, you know, the Bible says this, the Bible says that a gift will make room for itself. Like a person's gift, that passion, that gift. So here's what we want to do at the Promise Center. This is what God put in our heart two years ago is that, we cannot do church the old autocratic way where there's like two or three people in charge at the top who make all the big decisions and say, hey, we're going to do this ministry, we're going to X this ministry, we're going to make sure we have this program and we're going to program this. No, no, no. Like the church is alive and it's alive in you. Jesus said the kingdom is here, but it exists in you. It's inside of you. So it starts off like a mustard seed, but it grows and it doesn't stop growing. So the key is, is for the church to be able to give a platform for your passion and for your love. And we want to see that grow. We want, we want to see you grow in that gift. We want to give you some tools. We want to give you some training. But we want you to operate in your passions. That sound good to anybody in the house? Amen. So, you know, when we have, the, like, you have, well, we have 15 departments, well, departments, you know, well, we need to announce it. we got to announce every department. we got to make sure every department's happy and everyone gets a piece of the, that's not how it works. That's not how the kingdom of God works. And, and, and that's an old autocratic way that doesn't work. And so we want to we wanna empower the body of Christ. We want to empower you. And I'm, I'm beseeching you here tonight um, that, that if you will look inside and you'll ask the Lord, Lord, what, what, what's burning in my heart? Or, Lord, there's been something burning in my heart, and I've been afraid to step up and talk about it. And maybe it's not even just through an area that you've overcome yet, but an area that you're learning to overcome. You're going, you know what? There's an area, maybe finances or maybe uh, a marriage. And I know some people in the church who are doing really good. If we can get together two or three couples, do a group together, find a great curriculum. And I want to just say we have curriculum that you don't have to write, you don't have to come up with, you don't have to study for 100 hours and get in the Bible. It's already prepared for you. Get together, push the DVD and talk it through, walk it through. Maybe it's a six-week, eight-week course. I just want to say this, like I want you to know that God believes in you. And we believe in you, right? Like if we all had to go to like 14 years of Bible college and be trained for like 190 hours and, and you, had, you had to have a Ph.D. in Greek and Hebrew, like none of us would ever do anything for God, right? Like if you notice in the Bible, like, like, like it was Peter's mother-in-law, okay, who, get, who is sick and Peter brings Jesus to his mother-in-law's house. Jesus heals her. She gets up and immediately she starts serving, like she's touched and she's serving. Like she's healed and now she's serving. And I and I just believe that about like the body of Christ. Like there's some there's some things that are in you. There's some things that God wants to unearth in your life that you can bring to to bless others and help others find freedom in certain areas. So whether it's activities like biking or you know uh, hiking or or getting together and crocheting, man, if you if you're passionate about that, awesome. Put Jesus in the middle. Invite others to do it. 
If, if you found freedom in certain areas or you have a passion, you can look at our church, you go, you know what, there's a lot of new Christians in here. I, I have a great curriculum or I love to ha- find a curriculum. Maybe they partner with the church and they can help me. We can, we can come together and we can put a, together a, 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 a group for people who are new in their faith and want to walk this out or spiritual gifts or prayer. I just want to tell you, like, 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 we're not against that. We're for that. We're for the body. We're for the church. We're for you. Amen? I love the story of, like, David. He's young and inexperienced. He's, he's raw. He's got dirt underneath his fingernails, right? And, and whenever he talks to Saul, Saul's like, no, no, you're just a boy. And, and uh, this, this giant's been a man from his birth. If you ever, if you ever read it, it's, like, it's like, like, as a child, he was a man. Like, he's been a man for a long time, this Goliath. And you're just a little boy. And yet, if you look at the language of what God told Samuel the prophet, he said, I'm looking for, I found a man who's after my own heart. God called David a man while he was still a boy. Because, because God doesn't see us in the state that we are, but in the state we're going to be. So I can't live making decisions based on what I was or even what I am, but i got to be living out based on what I believe I'm going to be. Amen? So if you've said in your heart, yeah, one of these semesters, one of these days I'll get involved and lead one of those groups, I want to tell you, like, this is the day. Like, there's no better time than today to get in, jump in, believe that God is for you and that, you know what, there's some entry-level things. It's get a scripture and, and talk it out, walk it out, and get, have a conversation, then eat pizza. Who doesn't like pizza, right? Except Dr. Atkins. Can I get an amen? All right? So, so we can do it. We can be creative, and we would love for you to be a part of that. And the church say amen. All right, here we go. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and starting at verse 1. We're reading out of the NLT. It says this. Now, dear brothers and sisters, regarding your question about the special abilities the Spirit gives us, I don't want you to misunderstand this. Let me stop right there. I think that there is an issue within the body of Christ. The issue is not that people, that people are not able or that people aren't even open to what we would call the gifts of the Spirit. I think there's just a lot of misunderstanding and maybe some misteaching about these things that we're about to unpack together. And so one of the things that we have to ask for is wisdom and and spiritual understanding to understand what Paul is about to write. In fact, Peter warns us about Paul's writings. He says, hey, you need to be cautious because Paul's like, like he's teaching stuff and it's pretty deep and you got to make sure you put your thinking cap on, right? And here's the thing that Jesus told us. Jesus told us that he's going to give the church the keys to the kingdom, which means that the kingdom is locked up, that the Lord wants you to take the keys and he wants you to unlock the kingdom. You have to take the initiative. Jesus did not say, hey, I'm opening the kingdom. I'm, I, he didn't say, hey, the door, I'm, actually there's no more door. I just got a bulldozer and blew the door off and blew the wall off. No, he said, here's what I'm doing. I'm giving you the keys because not everyone gets to be a part of it. I can't just blow the wall off. I'm going to give the keys to those who believe. I'm going to give you keys so you can have access to the kingdom of God. How many wants access to all that God has for them? I want you to have access. I want you to be able to not have to, 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 to run 
to, 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 to the prayer warriors and the church mothers of the church and say, hey, pray for me. I want, you, I want you to know how to get on your knees and pray and touch heaven and feel God's presence and, 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 and hear his voice. And, and there's nothing wrong with having people pray. But all, what I'm saying is this, is that, that he's given you the keys. He's given you access to all the benefits of the kingdom. Amen? He says this in verse 2, you know that when you were still pagans, you were led astray and swept along worshiping speechless idols. So I want you to know that no one speaking by the Spirit of God will curse Jesus, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. That's why confession with our mouth is so important. That's why whenever someone begins a relationship with Jesus, we want them to confess the Lord. There's something, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, there's a, there's a powerful thing about confession, and that does not happen except by the Spirit. It's the Spirit that gives you the ability. So let me just say this. A lot of people don't realize that you, you got here by the Spirit. You see what I'm saying? If we got here by the Spirit, Paul's like, hey, you couldn't even make that confession if the Spirit wasn't living in you. But now he's moved in, and you've locked his door, and he's on the inside of of the attic going, let me out. I didn't just move in to, to, to be your prisoner. This whole thing started by the Spirit. This thing's going to continue by the power of the Spirit. Can I get a good amen from anybody in the house? Watch this, verse 4. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit is the source of them all. So there's still one Spirit. Verse 5. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. Verse 6, God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. Amen? So the, same, so, the, so the same spirit that's working in me is working in you. The same spirit that worked in the Apostle Paul and the Apostle John is working in you and I. Okay, same spirit, not a different spirit. And that means, good news, you ready? We have the same access as they do. We have the same power, dynamos, that they do. Like when we read the Bible and we go, wow, they, they prayed for someone who was sick and they were healed. That shouldn't be like, oh, that's for them but not us. Because it's easy to go, yeah, that's for someone else somewhere else. You know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah, that happens in, that happens in Botswana or some country that you can barely pronounce, right? That happens there, but it doesn't happen here. Question, do you have the same spirit? Is it the same spirit? that raised Christ from the dead, that was in Peter, James, John, Paul, you, me, in this church, in this city, moving. It's the same spirit. <laughs> keys, keys, access. Here we go, verse 7. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can, so we can make sure people know we're spiritual. So we can make business cards and tell everybody, to call us and, and we can be popular on YouTube. Come on, I just felt it right there. Woo, hallelujah. So we can help one another. Like these gifts are the way, like, like, like this amazing idea. God's like, okay, all these people are going to get saved. And there's going to be a lot of phone calls coming my way. But here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to put my spirit, not just in heaven, I'm going to put it in the earth but not just in the earth. I'm going to put it in all these saved people. And so the body, connecting with the body, 
there's going to be all this stuff in each believer to be able to minister to other believers. And where two or three are, guess what? I'll be right there. Right? We're, we're, the, the Holy of Holies in the Old Testament, the Ark of the Covenant, what was it? Two angels coming into agreement. It was right in the midst was the mercy seat. You know where God's power and mercy is? When we come into agreement. When we come to serve one another. That's where the power is. So the spiritual gift is so we can help one another. Verse 8. To one person the spirit gives the ability to give wise advice or the gift of wisdom. This is an important one because I, I think this is like one of the most prudent for our day and age. One of the most prudent is wisdom. Because this is not just information. A lot of people have information. Uh, my son Joshua has a lot of information. I mean, he knows stuff. Like he's, like, he's teaching me stuff. He's like, Dad, did you know that a rabbit's ears are twice as long as its body? And I'm like, no, I didn't know that. He's like, well, now you do because this is what I'm learning in school. I'm like, all right. Like he, informa but information is different than wisdom. Wisdom is the ability to, to take what you know and understand that there are things you don't know and how to navigate and walk. Wisdom teaches us to walk. So, so God is doing more than just informing people. He wants to give wisdom. I think there's a spirit of wisdom that needs to be upon us. In fact, Jesus said this. Jesus said, hey, people in the world are more wise than people in the church. You ever notice that before sometimes? Like people in the world are using more wisdom sometimes than people in the church, but yet there's a source that we have for wisdom. Everybody say wisdom. Ability give wise advice. To another, the same spirit gives a message of special knowledge. Now here's the difference between the gift of knowledge and the gift of wisdom, or the word of wisdom. The word of wisdom is me telling you something, giving you insight that you, you did not know, okay? Hey, look, and, and I, I've had this happen before, where God spoke to me and had me speak to someone and say, hey, look, I've, I just want to tell you something. This is what God's put in my heart. And then, like, a month later, they come and say, hey, what you said, like, it, like I didn't know what you said or I didn't understand what you were saying, but when you said it, it resonated, and then God revealed it later, and through that wisdom, I was able to make the right decision at the right time because God brought it back, stuff like that. But the word of knowledge is different because the word of knowledge is saying, hey, God's given me a word for you, and, and, and you know, you, like, like it's something that you already know, but God uses what you know to confirm in the spirit. I'll give you an example. There was a young lady. Um, she was, a, she was a, a clerk. She was, she was working at a, a grocery store. And the checkout line, and while I was there, while I was checking out, I was, I was just, I had my stuff, I can't remember what I was buying, but I was, had like two or three little items, and the Lord spoke to me and said, tell her, it's time to leave. And I went, okay, this is going to be awkward. The Lord said, tell her, it's time to leave. And I went, a little more information, Lord, would help. And he said, her boyfriend is beating her, and she's afraid to leave. And so there I am with a word of knowledge, something she knows, and now the Lord has revealed it to me. And I said, this is going to be awkward, but I feel like the Lord asked me to tell you something. Okay? I said, it's time to leave. He doesn't love you. It's never going to work. This is not God's plan for you. Tears streaming down her face. Starts weeping. 
a word of knowledge. A word of knowledge. That's by the Spirit. That wasn't me. I'm not smart enough for that, okay? I was thinking about, like, like should I get the, the Altoids or the bubble gum, okay? That was the Spirit that does that. Verse 9, the, sp- the same Spirit gives great faith to another. So the gift of faith. Have you ever needed faith before? You ever needed faith before? I've needed faith before. And let me just tell you this. This is something you can ask for, okay? Lord, I need the gift of faith right now. I f- I fact, in fact, I think this is something we should all, at some point today, maybe before you leave, ask that. Maybe out loud or under your breath or in your mind or pray to the Lord, but just say, I need the gift of faith. I want you to increase my faith. The Bible says we've given a measure of faith. That means everyone has a measure of faith. That means that measure can grow. And if we, as we get our attention on things that are off of the Lord, out of the word, our faith can subside and it can it can go down, and we need to stay connected to things that allow our faith to grow. That's why the Bible says this. The Bible says praying in the Holy Spirit, building up your most holy faith. When we pray, guess what happens to our faith? Grows, 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 grows. Measure of faith. The gift of faith. So we want to ask for that gift. Everybody say faith. There's an old song, faith, 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 just a little bit of faith. All right. And to some else, one, the Spirit gives the gift of healing. Everybody say healing. All right. Now, let me ask this question. How many here has ever been healed? You've been healed. Okay. All right. So we have many witnesses like God still heals. Here's what I've come to learn, and I'm still learning. This, this, is, not, this is not like a primary gift, but God's used me three or four times um, in this gift, and, and there are different ways that people have used this gift. It's like a tool, like, like there are different there's different ways to, to put, you know, the same thing together, right? Like, like you, can, you can, there's a different size hammers or you can use a screw. Like my wife's like, I was putting together a planter box a couple weeks ago. It's still not finished. But anyways, and she's like, are you going to hammer it or are you going to screw it? And I was like, I don't know. I haven't thought about it. I've got now two options. I'm going to be stuck right here for five minutes. And I thought about it and I ended up using screws. I think that was the right decision. Anyways, all right, the gift of healing, the gift of healing, and, and, and God uses gift, and I've seen people who, who, who pray, and they just close their eyes, and they just pray, and the person gets healed, and I've seen people who God uses the gift of knowledge, and the word of knowledge, and the word of wisdom, and they get very specific, and God shows them what's happening in their body, and they, they declare it. Hey, you're something in your shoulder, something in, in your body, and, and they go, oh my, how'd you know that? And it's like, the Spirit. And not only did he reveal it, but he revealed it because he wants to heal it, right? And, and so there's different ways, but, but God wants to heal. Like, that's a gift. That's the way we help one another. We pray for one another. Amen. And again, I think this is one of those things where we maybe haven't accessed what's behind the door that God wants us to access. Is this okay? All right. I'll tell you a quick story. There's a young lady. I was, I was ministering downtown Houston, and uh, I, was, I was preaching, and there was probably like maybe 300 people in this room. And I didn't know who they were. I was a guest, and it was kind of a community center deal and two churches came together and was doing an outreach and after the service a lady comes up and she's got her little baby and she's holding her baby 
and she says, can you pray that my baby will be healed? My baby has a blood disease, and if, if the baby's not, if something doesn't happen, my baby's going to die. And I said, absolutely. And before I put my hand on the baby to pray, the Lord spoke to me and said, the baby's healed. And so I was like, cool, I don't have to pray very long. And I just went, the baby's healed in Jesus' name. And the mom was like, huh? Like she was like, she was like, she was like expecting me to get like, and I was like, the baby's healed. And I just repeated what the Lord spoke to me. And so like literally like two or three days later, I got a phone call from a, a, a lady who was in the room on the other side of the room who saw me pray. And she goes, hey, look, this is going to sound crazy. But right before you laid hands on that baby to pray, I heard the Lord speak to me as clear as day, the baby's healed. I said, that's what the Lord spoke to me. She goes, okay, I'm going to try to find out who that lady was, and I'm going to try to find out what happens, because I believe God's going to do a miracle. She finds out, like two or three weeks later, the baby was going to test the next week. A couple weeks later, results come in. The lady and the baby go to the hospital, uh, go to the doctor's office, and while they're there, the doctor says, I love it. Um, we don't know what happened, but the baby doesn't have this disease anymore. You know what I mean? Like, now I wish I could be like, oh yeah, that was all me. Like God's like, I'm going to just bypass your prayer. I mean, he didn't even let me do like some eloquent, beautiful prayer. Hmm. Thou shalt not have this disease anymore. You know, always King James, of course. And it was like, no, just repeat what I say. The baby's healed. And so this gift of healing is real. It's active. And again, we have a key, and we just have to unlock the door. It's there. Verse 10. He gives one person the power to perform miracles. Perform miracles. Now you're going, all right, this is getting, I don't know, is this the promise center or the problem center? What's happening here? And, and, and here's why this is kind of like open is because like, like God wants the blank check. He, he wants this, this gift right here for you to know like that, that means anything's possible. What kind of miracles? Any kind of miracle. How big? It doesn't matter. God is able. One of my favorite stories, my friend um, told me his, his father pastors three million people in Ethiopia, small little startup church, okay? And uh, he's, 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 uh, and he, he's had over 56 people raised from the dead in his ministry. 56 people, all right? And uh, so one of the pastors in his in his, in his uh that he that he's overseas um, was being chased, and they were he's being chased by the army, and they were running. He was running, he was running, he was running, he was running, and so he gets to a house, and the house is locked. He can't get in, and so he thinks to himself, "Well, I'm going to die. They're they're a hundred yards behind. They're on their way. I can't outrun them. I'm done." He says, "I am going to die, and I'm going to die right here. I can't go any further." So he says, "I'm going to die." I'm going to worship. So right there, he starts worshiping. And I'm not talking about like a kumbaya. Like he's like, he's like dancing. He's like worshiping. He's like, he's about to go see Jesus in heaven, right? And he says he closes, he's worshiping. 
When he opens his eyes, he's on the inside of the house. The house is still locked. He's on the inside of the house. And all of a sudden, he, he, he like wants to scream and yet he can't. And he hears footsteps. And they run right past the house. And when he goes to open the door, the door somehow just opens and allows him out. And he locks back. A miracle. Now, is, does that happen? Is that the way a miracle happens every time? No. It happens in many, many different ways. But God still does miracles. God still does miracles. And another, he said, the ability to prophesy. The gift of prophecy. And I'm so thankful for the gift of prophecy because the gift of prophecy has been one that has not only blessed my life, but has blessed this church. There's times where God has used prophecy, whether it's pastors that know me, some that don't, that will say, God put you in my heart, and I've got a word. God wants me to tell you this. And at a critical junction, give a word and say, you know what? You're, you know, uh, there's been many words. Uh, two years ago this month, uh, a, a, a pastor named Jason Sisko was here. And the church was, we were, we were in a spiritual battle. And uh, I'll never forget, it was in our third service. Uh, the Spirit of the Lord just came down. Some of you may have been in that service. And it just, like, like, it was heavy, like the glory of the Lord. And all of a sudden, Pastor Cisco just started prophesying over this church. And, and from that day on, something shifted in the Spirit. That struggle that we, there was like six months of us just, we were warring. We were warring. And you didn't know it. We were still smiling and shaking hands and high-fiving, but we were we were like in the closet on our knees warring and it was coming at every angle and then when he it was a prophecy and it broke and there were some things that he spoke and it was it was in that 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 new season that things began to unfold and and God's done that in this church in so many different ways at so many different times but the gift of prophecy and this is a gift that it wells up in you and if you're wondering well how do i know well number one let me just say this Paul told Timothy, you got to stir up the gift that's inside of you. Like if you're going to if you're going to operate in the gifts like you you can't just like want to turn them on and not put any fuel in. Like like prayer and preparation and being like being in the word and and instead of listening to Metallica, listen to Hillsong, like create the right environments, stir up the gift inside of you. And whenever God starts putting a word or something inside of you, all of a sudden you can't keep it down. You say, "Well, how do I know if it's me?" Or if it's, if it's the Lord, or what if it's the devil? Well, let me just say this. I don't know of any time that the devil tries to bless. Or, you, know, you know what I'm saying? Like, what if the devil wants me to, to, to bless them? Or, you know, I've heard people say, I, the Lord put on my heart for me to give this family $100, Pastor. I'm not sure if it's the Lord or the devil. I'm like, I'm not sure that the devil would want to give for you to give $100 in the name of the Lord to that family, you know. But the real question many times is, 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 is this me? Is this the Lord? And one of the litmus tests that I do is I always bury it. I just say, okay, I'm going to put it, I'm going to put it deep in my spirit, I'm going to bury it. Because one thing I learned about things that are the anointed of God, if you bury it, it comes back. You bury Jesus, he comes back. It's like when you can't get rid of it. It's like this thing keeps coming back. Like the Lord tells you to tell someone to, you know, the, the, 
the, the circle of the Lord is upon them. And all, all of a sudden, you're like, you're pushing it down. And all of a sudden, everything you see is circles. Big wheels rolling down the street. The Lord's like, tell him. Tell, you know, I don't know. I don't, that's like the worst explanation, but that's really how it feels. Until you speak it, it's like everything that you see is that thing until you say it. It's like a well, like just wanting to come up. And so you can definitely tell when it's the word of the Lord. It didn't come from here. It's coming out of the Holy Spirit inside of you. Amen? He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. This is an important one. This is also called the, the spirit of discernment. Everybody say discernment. Let me just tell you this. If you don't pray for another gift, pray for the gift of discernment. We are living in a time where the enemy, he is a liar. In the garden, he was a snake. Uh, in the days of Christ, he was called, he was called the, the lion. And now, in the book of Revelation, he's a dragon. That doesn't make him more powerful. It just means he's embellishing himself. He's trying to, uh, the Bible says hell has enlarged herself. And we're living in a time and an age that's deceived. There's a deception. Right and wrong, the lines are blurred. Like there was a day where when you were a bad, like you were bad, like, like you were bad. And now evil is called good and good is called evil. Right? And so there's a deception. And so one of the things that the church has to have is the spirit of discernment. It sounds right, it looks right, but man, that is not the spirit of the Lord. There was a little young lady, a, 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 a slave girl, who was filled with the spirit of divination. She followed Paul and was saying, this is a great man. This is a holy, listen to their message. Wow. He, she was saying all the right things, doing all the right things, and Paul finally went, hmm, that is not the Spirit of the Lord. He turns, rebukes the Spirit, the Spirit comes out of her, and she was delivered. Why? Because Paul was no longer just listening with the physical ear. He started listening with the spiritual gift of discernment. And there's some things that come into your life, and there's some people that will come into your life, and they may seem like they're good for you, or they're good to you, but they're not good for you. That's where the spirit of discernment is so important. Discern, discern, discern. Everybody say discern. Amen. And still another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages. Everybody say the gift of tongues. All right. We're almost finished. I'm gonna give me three more minutes and I'll, we'll close here. Now, I know a lot of people have, have gone, okay, promise center, got it, tongue-talking tongue church. All right. Let me say this. Not apologizing for it. We do our best to be decent and in order. We use, we use the, the, the canopy rule, which is, you know, there's a, there's a canopy sound. Even in a restaurant, there's a, there's a sound level that goes up and down, right? It, get, it can get quiet, and then sometimes it gets louder. Everyone's talking louder, it's louder. But then someone drops something or a baby screams and breaks that canopy of sound and becomes a distinct, unique sound from the, the white noise in the room, and now everyone's attention turns to that noise. How just this is the this is the rule of thumb in our house is how we do it. Doesn't mean that's how everyone has to do it, but in our in this house this is how we do it. If, if 
Paul said in, ver- in chapter 14, which we're not there yet, but he says if you, if, you, if you become a distinct sound, he says you ought to prophesy. So, so we can pray, we can sing along, we can speak in tongues, but the moment you elevate to a position where everyone hears you and now their attention's off of the Lord and now they're looking at you, Paul said you're going to bring confusion unless you prophesy. That's okay if the Lord gives a word, but, but you'll sound like a barbarian if you don't do it. So here's the problem. Most pastors go, well, this is a problem. So let's just get rid of tongues, right? That's a terrible idea. Let's get rid of one of the gifts that the Lord has given to the church? No. So what do we do? We manage the tension. It's okay. It's okay. And sometimes you're going to come to the promise center. It's going to be like, whoa, that was a super heavy tongue service. And then you're going to go, I haven't heard anyone speak in tongues in a couple of weeks. And it's like, oh, my goodness, it's going. And, you know, that's okay. It's a tension that we're going to manage because we're not going to snuff out the gift of tongues. The Bible teaches us that when we pray in an unknown tongue, our spirit prays. Our understanding is not fruit. We don't know what we're saying, but the spirit's praying. And we can, make, we can pray and intercede. We don't know what we ought to pray sometimes, Romans chapter 8, but the Spirit makes intercessions through us. That's the gift of intercession, the gifts uh, of tongues. It's a powerful thing. While another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. So now we have the interpretation of tongues. All right? And I knew a lady and, and a gentleman back in my home church who, man, you, you pray, uh, pray in tongues, and, and they would be able to... to uh, uh, interpret what you were saying. Now, this does not say the translation of tongues. It says the interpretation, which means it's interpreting the spirit of the nature of the message. So they go, oh, there were, there were 15 syllables in that, that unknown language, and you only gave five words. That's not a translation. No, it's not the translation of tongues. It's the interpretation of tongues. It's very different, all right? Uh, people have prayed in tongues, and, and, and then God spoke to him through that and, and, and gave him a word, just one word, three words. I don't want to embarrass um, Gilbert here, my buddy. Gilbert, will you raise your hand? Okay, I'm going to embarrass you. I'm okay with that. Why don't you stand? I love this guy right here. I'm going to tell, I'm going to tell him how, how God used you. Uh, a couple years ago, there was a, there was a, there was a, a prayer meeting. They, my, my sister and, and the group went up to the mountain and there was probably 50 people praying, and they were up there in, in this, this prayer, uh, two days prayer retreat up in Tahoe. And it was snowing, and they were up there. And there was a gentleman from my father-in-law's church who uh, was from India, and he was from a northern part of India. And, 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 and Gilbert was praying, and he was, while he was praying, the spirit of intercession came on him. He started praying in the uh, unknown tongue. And while he was praying, this, this Indian brother like walks over like this, and his jaws like drop to the ground, and he's like, "What is happening?" So afterwards, he he got some of the leaders and he got Gilbert. He's like, "Do you know what you were saying?" They're like, no. He's like, he's like, this what you were saying was as a dialect up in northern India. No one knows this. I just happen to know it because this is where my family's from. And you were glorifying God, talking about how wonderful he was in this language that there's no way you could have known what you were saying. That's pretty awesome. 
Amen. But you still have to obey your wife. Okay? All right. The interpretation of tongues. It is the one and only spirit who distributes all of these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. Would you stand? Amen. Here's our prayer tonight. It's simple. Lord, you've, you've given us the key. Help us to unlock the door to the kingdom. Help us to unlock the door to what you've put inside of us through your spirit. Can we pray that together? Heavenly Father, thank you for bringing us here tonight. Wonderful worship. Your presence is here. As we talk about your Holy Spirit that lives inside of us, I pray that the Spirit will be stirred, would come alive. Lord, make us uh, aware of what you are saying and what you are doing, even inside of us, Lord. I pray that these gifts would be activated in the body. And it may start so small, like a little bit of leaven, like a little mustard seed. But Lord, let it begin to grow. And Lord, let it be so we can help one another and serve one another, not for self-glorification, not to make a name for ourselves, but to glorify your name. This is about you, Lord. This is about your body. We want to glorify you. We're thankful for your goodness. We're thankful for your mercy. We stand by your grace. We honor you tonight in the wonderful, precious name of Jesus. And everybody say amen. All right, turn and shake hands with three or four people and tell them you're glad you came to Wednesday night. We love you guys. God bless you tonight. Thank you for hanging with us during Bible study. God bless you in Jesus' name.